What is going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Lean365 podcast. Today, we have another special guest. Today, we've got Simon Martin on, who is an absolute legend, someone that I met about five years ago when I used to work at David Lloyd, um, and we've kind of stayed in contact since now. Simon is a father, Simon's an athlete, Simon's an ex-war marine, um, he's done everything and currently 53, which he just said, and is in still world-class shape. So I thought I had to get him on because he's another huge advocate of the Lean 365 lifestyle. So Simon, without any further ado, give us a bit of an introduction on, uh, on who you are. Yeah, hi. So Simon Martin uh, on Instagram, I'm old school strength coach and you, you'll understand the old school side of my training. Um, like Chris said, I'm 53 on Sunday coming up. Um, I first started training when I was eight years old. Um, so I've been training a long, long time. Um, and what actually got me into training, I'll just quickly touch on that. It was either, I can't remember whether it's Lou Frigno or Dennis Trino. They were in some, it was on TV, I was eight years old. And they were, they were obviously a massive bodybuilder. They had their shirt off and they were being held by two goons. And another goon was punching this guy in the stomach. And I remember my stepdad, who wasn't a fit guy, just saying, well, that's pointless. I'll never hurt him. He's just all muscle. And from that day on, I just started training. I was like, well, if I'm all muscle, I can't ever get hurt. So Love that. Uh, that was eight years old. So um, my first thing I ever did was pull-ups, which I've become quite well known for now, I think. And um, yeah. I lived on a farm, so I just got a one-inch water pipe, metal water pipe, tied it onto the rafters in the barn, in the, in, the, in the calf shed. So every time I went to feed the calves or go and muck out or something, I would just do pull-ups. And by the time I was 10, I was doing 20 pull-ups. So nice. that's kind yeah. of how I started. That's awesome. And um, what kind of like can, made you continue with training like what was your kind of like reason to get into the gym and start and start lifting and stuff like that what kind of went from you training in a farm yeah to I mean in 1982 so I was 12 years old the Falklands War uh, started mm. and like Falklands War probably the back end of Vietnam but the Falklands was really the first televised war where it was live, where they were reporting live from the battlefield, you know, and like I'd come home from school, it'd be on John Craven's news round, if you remember that, and it'd be on Blue Peter, and then it'd be on the six o'clock news, and then the nine o'clock news, and then the 10 o'clock news. It was in every newspaper. And the Royal Marines, um, they performed particularly outstandingly in the Falklands, doing some epic um, endurance marches, fighting against massive odds, winning obviously. And from that day, from that, from being 12 years old, I knew I was gonna join the Royal Marines. So I started to train more seriously for that. I do running and I do all sorts of weight training, more calisthenics really, I suppose, like uh, dips, pull-ups, press-ups. Um, it's very hilly where I lived in Dorset. So I'd be running the hills uh, with, with a pack in boots and from the age of 12. So I knew very, very from that age what I was going to do, and I knew I had to be, you know, a superior physical specimen to to join the Royal Marines, and and that that's what happened. That's awesome. And then, what age did you actually end up joining the Marines at? I was seventeen. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So I joined in. Um, yeah, I was young. Well, it might, might be just eighteen. It was nineteen eighty-eight. I joined in February nineteen eighty-eight. 
Um, my brother was already in. My brother joined two years before me. Um, so we were both in the Marines. And um, yeah, so in 1988 I joined. And I did nice. just over nine years in the Marines. That's awesome. And, and yeah. what was like some of the biggest things you kind of got taught in the Marines that I guess carried across to where you're at now still? Yeah, I mean, when I, when, I, when I actually joined up, when I was in training, I was very average, actually. In fact, not that good. Um, but I managed to survive training all the way through with the same troop, whereas a lot of people get injured and they get back, what's called back troop, and they you know might go back two weeks or four weeks or six weeks, whatever, mm. because of an injury. Well, I was lucky. I went all the way through with no injury, so did the complete 32 weeks in one go. Wow. Um, nice. But then I went to, when I went to a commando unit, so from training you go to a commando unit, and I went to 4-2 commando down in Plymouth. And I was really lucky, my first sergeant down there was uh, a guy called Bob Brooker Gillespie, who was SBS. And he wow. was an absolute beast, like a beast of a man. And he thrashed us. And I just became an absolute physical specimen, mm. and kind of been like it ever since but it's only really because our paths crossed and like for instance like when we came back from a period of leave say christmas leave two weeks that first day back that was 10 hours of physical exercise and that would be wow. speed marching it'd be circuits it'll be murder ball it'd be load carries it was it was horrendous and the reason he did that was so that over those two weeks leave you just didn't go out on the piss all the time you actually did some training because his theory was to get all the aches and pains out of the way in one one day so you're back to being you know Jesus. some use as a raw marine so wow he, he was savage and my he changed my mindset completely built some serious yeah, mental toughness him and, yeah 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 so um That's yeah incredible. i was very lucky to come across people like that yeah it's he interesting because i'm reading um I'm reading um, like David Goggins' book at the moment, and obviously like his book is, oh, yeah. is heavily influenced yeah. around like the SEALs training and like obviously what he went through and stuff, how we call that kind of stuff. And yeah. I mean, it sounds yeah. you know pretty hard with all that, and it just it's incredible like how much you can actually condition your mind mentally, well, and physically, to be able to actually like withstand and deal with anything. I think it's like you don't actually know what you're capable of until you're put into these situations, and you know you have no choice but to to adapt. Yeah, I mean, I've trained quite a few people since to join the Marines or join the forces. A bit of a niche of mine is, is to prepare people to join the forces. So um, what I've always said to them is you've just got to be there at the end. I always say you don't have to be the best. Try not to be the worst, but just be there at the end. Because there were people far fitter than me, far better soldiers than me, far more switched on than me that gave up. So they never finished. Yeah, I was just stubborn, and I was there at the end. And I think if you, you've still got to pass everything, but as long as you're there at the end, you know you yeah. just can't give up. Like, Do you think that's just, just like men mentally, like people just kind of check out, even though physically, you know, they look superior, but they mentally just haven't got what it takes to be able to continue. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, they just yeah. When it got tough, when they got wet, when they got cold, when they got tired. Mm they went you know and had they had they stuck it out they would have been incredible marines but they didn't yeah. have that yeah that sheer bloody mindedness that you need you know mm. like that you will not break me mindset yeah yeah, like yeah. you can do what you like to me but you won't break me i will still be here 
and that yeah. was my mindset, you know, and it, it managed to get me through. But there were far better people than me that didn't make it. Far better. Yeah. Sounds I don't like they're doing now, but yeah, yeah. Sounds like a lot of these traits and stuff you've obviously still carrying with you to this day. I mean, we'll go into your training and stuff yeah. shortly, but it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is geared around that kind of style of training. Um, what happened? That, what, what happened when you left the Marines? What was the kind of route after that? Um, I went into the police. So I went into the Hampshire Police for the next twenty-one nice. years. Nice. Um, yeah, so I did just over thirty-one years in uniform of one sort or another. Um, Awesome. Yeah, and that was okay. I mean, it, it never excited me the way that, you know, the Marines did. Uh, mm. Probably the biggest regret in my life is leaving the Marines, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, things happened and I left and because um, I was married and I was always away, so it, didn't, it wasn't working. So mm. I left to try and give the marriage a chance. But, um, you know, you have to live by your decisions, don't you? So I did. Of course. And I, I joined the police. The police was, was good to me, but... Mm. It, it was never something I ever really, like if you ever looked at my um, social media, you would never know I was in the police. You would probably know I was in the Marines, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it just never floated my boat. But, mm. you know, now it, it, it affords, with the pension I've got from those, the forces, of it course. affords me the lifestyle I have. So I have, of course. I have yeah. to be grateful for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, everything happens yeah. for a reason though. So it's, um. Yeah, yeah, it must have been the way. Yeah, I'm uh, reaping the benefits now, I think. Yeah, of course. When did you um, when did you kind of retire from, from, from that? Obviously, you still do like a little bit of coaching and stuff now, don't you? But um, when was it that you kind of come out of the police? Yeah, so I retired from the I retired from the police in uh, July 2017. Okay, cool. Um, I was 47, so retiring at 47 was pretty cool. Um, that is cool. <laughs> That's the dream. But, yeah, I was I was medically retired because of PTSD, and um, mm. which very very nearly took my life, you know. And it's been a long fight back from that. Um, mm. And as you know, I talk very openly about it, and I've done a lot of videos on it, and I, I help a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I help a lot of people now with it, um, and yeah. that ability to help others has kind of healed me a little bit. I would say. Yeah. It allows you, you to pay that forward, you know. Of course. And yeah. is is that something that you, you still kind of, do you slap demons that you think you suffer from a little bit to this day? Or like, is it something that you've kind of learned to deal with now? I have to be very careful. Yeah. I mean, I have to know what my triggers are, you know, yeah. and I have to yeah. try and avoid them. Mm. Yeah. It's my responsibility. It's nobody else's, you know, and I try, I, I very much look after my mental health these days as actively as I look after my physical health. You know, yeah. I, I have to because it nearly took me out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, there's certain films I won't watch. You know, some of my PTSD was around people being burned, and mm. like barbecue season is not great for me. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm sat in my garden, and every every other garden's having a barbecue. You know, um, mm. but I recognise that for what it is. You know, and I, I just avoid certain things. I avoid certain people. Mm. You know, if I feel they're dragging me down, you know, I will, I will avoid them. You know, I will, I will get them out of my life. You know, so yeah. I, I, you just got to be very proactive, I think, to look after your mental health as, as proactively as you do your physical health. Yeah, it yeah. took me a long time to learn that. It took me mm. a long, long time to learn that. But um, yeah, I very much take responsibility for my mental health these days. Yeah.
think you have to, but I think like your you know one way of really like managing your mental health is is through the training side of things as well. I'm sure you'd agree that training and going to the gym yeah. and all that kind of stuff it, it massively conditions your mental health as well. I know when I'm not training, I I don't feel particularly well. Um, so I think you have to kind yeah. of carry that with you all the time as well. Um, but no, it's interesting. Like you, you've always you've always been like a a guy that's held himself to a very high standard, very humble guy. So yeah, I, it's it's incredible. I can imagine you've been through a lot and you've seen a lot, but you've um like I say, you you kind of got yeah, to the stage now you can control it. I think with mental health, it humbles you. I think mental, you know, yeah. I used to be a bit. I was an arrogant twat once. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe, but I was, and um, I think I think having serious mental health does humble you. It makes you mm. more empathetic towards others and more caring towards others you recognize when other people are struggling yeah it, it, actually like it's i wouldn't change what's happened to me because i think it's made me a better person i wouldn't mm. necessarily choose that route again because it was a very hard one but i wouldn't change it now i've been through it yeah because it makes me I, I think it's made me a much better person than i was before yeah yeah no i agree i think everything everything happens for a reason and kind of makes you the person that you are today like all the demons and stuff we've had in the past as hard as they are at the time like, i know that anytime i've gone through periods of adversity like you always kind of come out the other side and you know and almost feel like you go through a bit of a growth patch and stuff after so yeah it's it's almost just yeah. conditioning yourself to do that um, yeah i mean a friend of mine's got a podcast called the gift of being broken and i think there is a gift to being broken I think mm. there is. I think you've got to look at it that way. Mm. Like I say, I wouldn't change anything that's happened to me because I do view that now as a bit of a gift, as hard as it was, and it very nearly took my life. Mm. It, it was a bit of a gift because I'm a better person. So yeah. it's hard to look at it that way when you're going through it. But when you have come out the other side of it, then I think you can and probably should look at it that way. What, yeah. what was like the kind of catalyst that got you out of that you know that mentality and, and almost saw you come through it all and stuff or was there not anything that came into mind particularly that you know changed changed thing for you um yeah i mean i've, I've suffered for a long time probably mm. about 10 years and um my brother's suicide you know was probably the catalyst for me getting really mm. ill um the catalyst for me getting out of it was again sheer bloody mindedness um I was, I was having counselling down at the Priory in the New Forest and I was sat there with a group of people and I've been going back every week for about eight weeks. Same people, same problems, no solution being offered to these poor people. Mm. And um, I just sat there thinking and I just, I, I, and I remember it to this day, I, I sat there and thought this is not going to be my fucking life. Mm. And I, I got up and I walked out and I never went back. Wow. And I came off all the meds I was on, and which I don't recommend doing any of this, by the way. Mm. <clears throat> Certainly not going cold turkey as I did. Mm. Um, but yeah, that day I just threw all the meds out the window because I just had my prescription refilled at the Priory because there's a dispensary there. I drove down the driveway, the, opened my window, threw them out, never took another one. And um, wow. you know, that's, that's over five years ago. Um, in fact, it's nearly six years ago, and yeah, I've never, I never went back, and I just made that decision. And it sounds very blasé, but 
you know, and this this will be controversial, but I think some people like to have injuries or they like to have illnesses and they like to have, uh, and this this will be controversial, but I know people like it Mm. who have got every syndrome going and they tell you all about it every time you meet them. And I, I didn't want to be one of those people that, is defined by having PTSD, that's defined by having depression. You know, I didn't want that to be what I'm known for. You know, I wanted to be known for being, you know, I don't know, but not that, you know. Mm. And I I think, um, you know, mental health is a very, very serious thing, but there are, there is, you can help yourself in a lot of ways. Yes, I have professional help, but you, there's a lot of things you can do. Not mm. drinking is one. You yeah. know, and the people I help, you know, the, almost all of them are drinking too much that come to yeah. me. You know, that's never going to help anything. Mm. You know, my rule with people is like, if you go out socially, you can drink, that's fine. Because I want you to have that social interaction. But you will not drink on your own and you will not drink at home. Mm. You know, and that's my rule for people. If they come to me for help, that's that's something they have to agree to. You know, and because there's no rule. there's no benefit to drinking. Yeah, I, there's, I no benefit. Well. there's benefit I'm to going out socialising. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I never drink at home. And one of the if I drunk when I was ill, I'd, I'd be dead now, no question, because you lose your inhibitions. And I probably mm. would have done, you know, something stupid. But I was lucky; I didn't drink at all when I was ill. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's a lot you can do exercising. I think there's a lot of things you can do to help yourself. Talk yes, you might need some intervention. And, yeah. you know, I'm not, I don't like antidepressants, but there is a place, I'm sure, for them at times. Mm. So, mm. But there's also other things you can do to help yourself, I think. Yeah. I think it's like and speaking up about it, it's you know. probably, speaking up about it, it's probably one of the biggest things as well. Like people just almost, they don't say anything like they, they kind of especially guys it's almost like it's a weakness to talk about mental health and, and to talk about depression a lot of guys just don't say it but yeah it's the number one killer of of guys in the uk so well, the uk or the world so it's almost like you it's, have to it's a number one killer under, under yeah it's a number one killer under the age of 50 i think is yeah. it wow yeah yeah and and you're right I, I think there's been a vast improvement i think i think um more men than ever talk about it. I think I think there's a lot of work to do, but I think where we are at the moment, it's probably the most acceptable time we've ever had for people to talk about mental yes, health. I Certainly when I, when I first started to suffer, like probably, it was probably about 2009. Mm. It was quite difficult to talk about it back then. I think now it's much better. I agree. Uh, and I think there's more places for people to go and to talk and stuff like that, but you know, Back in the day, it was tough. Mm. I think men are getting better yeah. slowly. And I always encourage that, you know, by talking out myself. Mm. And, you know, there's lots of celebrities like Foxy, who's an ex-war Marine, um, mm. people like that, who, who've spoken widely about PTSD and stuff. And it all helps. Yeah. You know, because he, he's a hard man. So I was known as a hard man. So, <laughs> you know, if, we, if, if us hard men can talk about it, it might yeah. encourage others. You know, so hundred um, percent. Well, um, it took me a long time to get to that point. You know, I yeah, was yeah. very not. I didn't talk about it. 
you know, I, I was probably seven years too late seeking help. I should have done it seven years earlier than I did. So what I always say to people is don't do me. Like, you know, mm. learn from the mistakes I've made, which were many. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah. that's why I talk about it, really. I don't want people to go down the same path I went down. Yeah. Well, I mate, I think that's um, a huge share from, from you, obviously. Appreciate you, obviously, how, you, how you've just spoken about it on the podcast. So I'm sure people will take huge, huge value from that. Um, let's um, let's move on to your training then. So, in terms of like yeah. Simon Martin's training approach, it's, it's not it's not the usual. You know, it's not what we're kind of told and stuff. But yet, it works incredibly well. So obviously, since I've known you, you've always been in incredible shape. So, what is your sort of like training ethos, and you know, how how do you like to approach that? Yeah, I mean, very much the old school. Um, yeah. You know, I don't use any machines, obviously. Um, and I've always had this rule that, so there's certain exercises I absolutely detest, you know, and there's things like leg extension, the <laughs> tricep kickback, the tricep <laughs> press down, um, hip thrust I fucking particularly hate. And it's because to me, they've got no utility. Like you could do this for a year, every day, mm. and it will make no difference to your triceps or whatsoever. Like, mm. Whereas if you were dipping your body weight for hundreds of reps, then you will see a change. Um, yeah. And my, my rule is kind of, it's a loose rule, but it's like, if you don't do the movement outside the gym, don't do it inside the gym. Mm. So when do you ever have a weight on the end of your feet and straighten your legs? Unless it's your cat, maybe. <laughs> like, so why would you ever do leg extensions? Like, it, it makes no point. You can actually get a much better movement. Like, like the Hindu squat is... Very yeah. similar movement, but obviously it's a closed chain because your feet are on the ground, and it and it's a squat, and you do squat in part of your natural life. You never yeah. straighten your legs with a weight on the end of it in your real life. You never do that, you know, and you never do that. Like no, like it doesn't my rule is that. like if you don't do it in the gym, like everything you do in the gym should prepare you for life outside the gym. In my opinion, mm. like you know being able to look after your partner, your family, like, so you need to, and I, I appreciate this is a bit of a prepper's mindset, like preparing for doom or preparing for the, the um, zombie invasion, but you yeah, should be that, able though. to. I love that. I literally you. had this conversation with my yeah, brother earlier, actually. Be. We spoke about being hard <laughs> to kill, hard to kill for a zombie apocalypse. That's how it's got to be, right? <laughs> Absolutely. On my Instagram is, for fuck's sake, make yourself harder to kill. Get yeah. That's the strap line on the top, you know, and it is, make yourself harder to kill. Why wouldn't you? Mm. So like anything you like, so push it, like any pushing, like you would push a, an attacker away. Deadlift, lifting something heavy off the floor, overhead press, putting something high on a shelf or taking it off a shelf or into mm. an aircraft locker thing. You know, all these movements replicate real life situations. Leg mm. extension does not, right? Hip thrust, hip thrust to me, like I've been around gyms for 40 years and before Instagram, hip thrust did not, in the way we see it today, did not exist, right? It's been made up because these, these women can load up like 400 pounds and move it in what is effectively, there's a small movement around the, around the knee, but it's mainly a single joint exercise, hip exercise. That they move about six inches. Like it's got yeah. no utility whatsoever. Yeah. And I would love to see them take three plates off 
put that bar on a rack and squat it for like 10 sets of 20, like below parallel, and then do some deficit deadlifts with, with a bit more weight. Right. And their glutes would be a thousand times better than the stupid hip thrust. But it's been popularised by Instagram and it really annoys me. Like the old hip thrust, what you used to do, and it was mainly used in rehab, was like one leg at a time, body weight only, mm. getting a really good range of motion. That's got loads of utility, but the hip thrust as we see it today, where they're moving a heavy bar about six inches, has a zero. And all they're doing is taking a bar away from somebody, taking some plates away from somebody, and taking a bench away from somebody. It just really annoys me. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very much... Like, if you don't do it outside the gym and it doesn't improve your life outside the gym, don't do it inside the gym. You're wasting your time. Mm. Um, I don't do any isolation exercises. I've got pretty good arms and I don't care. <laughs> Very good arms. I think that's, that's uh, underlying yeah. a little bit. <laughs> like, like today I did 200 pull-ups, you know, and I, yeah. do, I do 600 pull-ups minimum a week. Um, if I'm not deadlifting, I do heavy bent over rows. So I would do 100 reps with 100 kilos bent over rows. Wow. All those sort of things build your arms. And the same with pressing. Like, you know, your triceps get a lot of work from pressing. So I don't need to be doing that, you know, if I'm doing 100 reps with 100 kilos in the bench. Like my arms I don't are think, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you do a bicep curl or anything either. No. But you would have seen me do hundreds of pull-ups, like yeah, you know, a lot, and, like, and 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 with and ease as well, like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you know, obviously the bicep crosses the elbow. It's more active around the the elbow joint, clearly, but it crosses mm. the shoulder joint as well. So, you know, a pull-up mm. is effectively a compound bicep exercise. Yes, it's obviously got some back and, and serratus and stuff like that, but yeah, you know. If, if you do, if I, if I'm, if I weigh 90 kilos and I do 300 press, uh, pull-ups and the way I do 300 pull-ups is five every minute for 60 minutes, right? That's an easy wow. way. Honestly, you can walk away from doing 300 pull-ups feeling like you that, haven't that, trained. That's a, like, that's a that good easy. idea. It's yeah, so, yeah. I like that. It's just so sub-maximal. It's sub-maximal. You're only doing five. You know, I can do 40 pull-ups. If I'm doing five every minute, I'm not getting close yeah. to, to threshold. Mm. So I can maintain that for 60 minutes. And I've done 300 pull-ups. And if you look at it as weight lifted, that's the other thing. You know, we sort of class ourselves as weight trainers or weight lifters. Most people don't know how much weight they've lifted in a session mm. as a total. So if I do 300 pull-ups at body weight mm. of 90 kilos, that's 27,000 kilos. 27 tons I've pulled using my arms and my back. Yeah, yeah. That is a lot of weight. That is a lot yeah. of weight moved, you know, and the benefit is you get that, you know, and without doing curls, yeah. you don't need to. You, you're doing a very big compound yeah. upper body exercise, a lot of bang for your buck that grows your forearms, your biceps, your back, your serratus, your abs, if you, if you brace correctly, you know, and yeah. I just think people waste their time, honestly, in the gym. You know, at the moment I'm doing... My, my week of training is four exercises. So I will squat, mm. I will do pull-ups, I will do bench press, I will deadlift, I will do pull-ups, I will do bench, I will do... And that's what I will do. You know, and I train most days, pretty much every day, and, uh, and a rest day for me is 200 pull-ups. 
Because pull-ups doesn't really impact my recovery wow. from what I feel because I can do them quite easily. So, you know, I'm lucky. I've got short arms. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm built for doing pull-ups, you know. You know, some of the people I've trained in the past, mm -hmm. their arms are almost twice as long as mine. You know, no wonder they struggle, but I've got short, strong yeah, arms yeah, yeah. and I can do a lot of pull-ups without, without impacting my recovery hardly at all. Like, it really doesn't make any difference to me. So effectively, a rest day for me is, like, uh, today yeah. was a rest day. I did 200 pull-ups, like, outside, in the sun, beautiful. Like, vitamin D, I saw no stress. Yes. I didn't do it at any yeah. time. I just did 12 sets of 15, two sets of 10. There you go, 200 pull-ups. It's, it's such a good training methodology, though. Like, I, I, I remember I sent you that, um, that, I think it was on Instagram, I sent you that post of that, like, American gymnast that had huge biceps, and everyone yeah. was asking him like oh how have you got that like what do you do do you do these curls and it was like no i just do pull-ups literally just pull-ups and like the guy's yeah. biceps were literally like pushing out of his arm it was ridiculous like yeah the, the trouble is with pull -ups, so, you know it makes I, obviously, I take for granted that i can do a lot of pull-ups but i you know i started doing pull-ups 45 mm. years ago i should be pretty good at them after 45 years really so you know so, but a lot of people can't do sufficient pull-ups, unfortunately, to get the sort of yeah. What would be your advice for that? that? From doing the numbers, that I... um, I, I think there's other other. You know, the if I was if if I had a gym, probably excuse me, probably the only machine I would have would be the pull-down machine, and it is for that reason that you can use less in your body yeah. weight. You can do a fairly I similar movement. It doesn't have the same bracing and the same serratus involvement, mm. but it has, you know, it has, it's a similar movement pattern with, and you have the opportunity of using less in your body. Yeah. Weight. So I don't, I think that's a good way to start doing a lot of volume. I'd have people doing 10 sets of 20 on there and I'll never have their legs underneath. I always mm. have them turned around, facing away from the machine, never have their legs fixed because that's mm. when they're using their hip flexors. Turn around, so they're just using their yeah, yeah, I'm with you. and they oh, won't be using a lot of weight, yeah. but they'll be doing things that's a twenty. And then we will progress from there, and then you know you can use bands and stuff to take some of the body weight off, and and actually get them doing the movement on a bar properly. Because I want like pull-ups. If you do pull-ups properly, you have sore abs the next day, like mm. your abs and your serratus here these finger muscles that a lot of people don't really know what they do, but they, they rotate your um, scapula around your body, but they, they're very much active yeah. in, in that, in, in a pull-up. So, and I always say about creating full body mm. tension, like when you lift anything, you should be creating full body tension. Like a bench press to me starts at my feet. You know, it's a full body exercise. Yeah. You'll see my leg drive on a bench. You know? um, mm. It's not passive. This is not a do you train, pushing exercise. Do you train your abs? No. Mm. No. No. The last time I trained my abs was probably the last time, time I trained my arms. You know what I mean? Like a long time ago. Um, no, just the, just the, yeah. the sheer, you know, because, you know, I'll, I'll do 200 squats with 100 kilos, you know, and if you've got, if yeah. you've got the bar here for, like it's trying to fold you up. Like it's, it's a very, very good ab exercise. Pull-ups are a great ab, ab exercise. 
quite often I can't do it outside, but I can do it inside on the bar inside. I have my feet out the front, so I do like an L sit. Um, probably just shy of an L sit because my hamstrings aren't that great, so I'm yeah. a bit short. So you know, my legs would be probably at that angle, but yeah, so I have my feet out the front, uh, abs engaged, and the next day my abs would be sore as hell. Mm. You know, um, goblet squat yeah, with the yeah. weight in front of you. Um, you know, go heavy on a goblet squat, you know, and things like that. All overhead pressing will train that serratus as well. You know, a really good exercise for the serratus yeah. is the landmine. That ball. You know, and they call this the puncher's muscle, you know. Yeah, so, You know, yeah. so, so that that is a really good movement for that. Um, I, I think mm. from what I can gather over 40-odd years in gyms, that sit-ups has probably contributed to more lower back pain than most things um people just i would agree i don't want people yeah. doing ab exercises. I, I really don't want people doing ab exercises if they train correctly using the big compound lifts with sufficient volume and they create full body tension whenever they lift they don't need to no, but they have to be shown you know that they have to be shown the correct way of doing that sort of thing but I think ab exercises, yeah. to me, are probably injurious and a waste of time, most of the time. Yeah. I don't think I've put sit-ups on someone's training program since I've ever started coaching. I think I remember, actually yeah. remember hearing at uni, like, probably on one of the first lectures, like, sit-ups are actually going to do more damage to someone's back than good. Yeah, if you go on Instagram... Yeah, because they, they know, use their hip these, like, more than anything. Yeah. Exactly. That. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think there's probably there's probably some some utility in doing like hanging from a bar. Hanging from a bar is good for your shoulders anyway, and yeah. doing like yeah. knee raises yeah. or raises. I, I can see there's some benefit to that. I, I can, you know, but they're the sort of yeah, they're the sort of ones I'd program for clients like knee raises and and le and yeah, like hanging leg yeah. raises if someone can do it. Because, like you say, the, the downward yeah. phase of a hanging leg raise is very much hitting your abs, whereas the upward phase is, yeah. is again like more hip flexors. But it can be good yeah. for like stabilization, which, which I think is important. Yeah, I, I think that's got some use, perhaps. If, if somebody, you know, ultimately, some people, you know, when I've trained them, I, I will say to them, like, I, you know, some people love to train biceps and some people love to train abs. And I've got no problem with that. All I would say to them is, like, mm. in the session you do with me, we won't do that. But if you have energy yeah. afterwards and you enjoy it, go do it. Like, you know, training should be fun. And yeah. if you enjoy training your biceps fun. and getting a yeah. pump, and if you enjoy training yeah. your abs because you think it will give you good abs, go do it. But do it after our session. Like, we'll do the core <laughs> big lifts first. And then if you have energy, mm. like, good luck with that. But if you do then go do something you enjoy. That's fine. Like, I've got no problem with people training their arms or training yeah. their abs. As long as they train their abs correctly yeah. and they don't injure themselves, then that's cool. Like, great. If they enjoy it, go do it. Mm. But don't do it after you've done the stuff that really counts, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like you say, training like, should be fun. You, you know, training should... It should be fun. Yeah. That's, that's the number one thing, isn't it? Like, you obviously want to be training towards our goals. Like, that's again, like you don't want to just go to the gym yeah. and not be doing something that's actually going to move the needle. But at the same time, if you, if you don't enjoy your training plan, you're not going to stick to it. So you've got to get like the right balance in between enjoyment and actually what's going to 
get you to where you want to be and what's more, you know, sort of optimal. So like you said, I can imagine yeah. with, with your style of training there, like after someone's done that amount of volume, they're probably not really going to want to go and do uh, a set of bicep curls or leg extensions after. <laughs> They'd probably be on crutches for a well, week. I, th I think what they... What, um, yeah, and I, I think what they just... What they learn, though, from training the, with my style is they don't actually need to. I, I think, you know, they might there might be a bit of resistance when they first start working with me. You know, I remember a, a doctor friend of mine I used to train, and he had this thing about losing body fat and doing cardio, and cardio was really important. And the first time we ever spoke about training, he took me out for lunch, and he said, well, how would you train me? And I told him. And he goes, I'm a bit concerned. There's no abs and there's no um, cardio. I was like, I was like, I said, you just have to trust me. We did a, we did the, um, do you remember the gold standard I used to do with people? The leg one, the body weight only leg one, 600 um, abs, 300, 300 Hindus, 300 Hindus. 300 Hindus. Oh Hindus yes, yeah, yeah, I do remember now. Yeah. Alternating, so it, yeah. was, it was savage. And I did that with him and he goes, yeah, I don't need to do cardio. I was like, no, because you're breathing out of your ass, you know. If yeah. you're doing that, if you're doing 600 reps of a, of a leg exercise where you're using your big leg muscles that require a lot of oxygen, your heart and lungs are going to mm -hmm. be working very, very, very hard. So like, yeah, so he said to me, I'm concerned yeah. there's no cardio. And then after the first session, he goes, yeah, I'm not concerned anymore. Don't ever do cardio, but it's almost like with, with the way that, see, you're talking about training stuff, a lot of, a lot of it you don't even need equipment for. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you actually train someone like a South Sea Common or something like that, you'd probably be able to still put them through a session just through the basics of body weight and actually using that high volume approach. Yeah, 100%, you know, and a lot of, a lot of my sort of higher end clients would uh, travel a lot. So things like Hindu squats, yeah. which I really rate. I think, I think the two best body weight exercises um, for your legs are Hindu squats and lunges. Um, if you do a combination of both of those, you're, you're going to have pretty awesome legs if you do enough of it. And um, also your heart and lungs will benefit. But you don't need hardly any space for Hindu squats, yeah. space you stand in, right? You're just up on your toes, you know, and you don't need hardly any space. And, you know, most most hotel rooms have got a full length mirror so you can, because balance is a bit of an issue for people with Hindu squats because you're on your toes. So they can they can yeah. you know look in the mirror get their balance and you know and one of the things I get people to do is six sets of fifty Hindu squats um, one minute a very very strict one minute between that's three hundred takes about twelve minutes and trust me you will ache for days you know Hindu Hindu squats yeah. will make give people worse dongs than any other exercise I know I can't remember how many it was but I remember doing them at the end of my leg session. I think I think it probably was back when I was training yeah. David Lloyd. I, I have to bring him back in again, and I remember I was crippled. <laughs> I was really sore. <laughs> um, so, they, yeah. they will do it. You know, I was doing. Uh, uh, there, there was a really good gym at the hotel we stayed at, but I think I'm a little boy, so I think I can't. It's only me and him, so I can't leave him. So yeah, um, you know, I, I do like a thousand press ups, and I did five hundred walking lunges in one go, like no break at all, just in the heat, in Greece, 500 nice. lunges. Like my ass was sore for days, you know, my, my glutes and my hamstrings. And I, I think there's a lot you can do. And that was something else I wanted to say about, you know, we've been conditioned to 
having to find an hour to train, you know, and, and that mm. might actually be two hours, like half an hour to get to the gym, hour training, half hour back, you know, and mm. actually there's a lot you can do just around your day. You know, if you've got a pull-up yes. bar in the house, every time you go under it, do five, you know, and you might go under it 20 times, that's a hundred pull-ups, you know, and they're sub-maximal yeah. probably, so you're not going to get exhausted, but... And, you know, you know, not every aspect of muscle building is hit if you're doing something over a long period. But things like time under tension, like when I did the thousand press-ups when I was out in Greece, it took me about three hours. You know, if I did it concentrated and that's all I did with no distraction, I could probably do it in about 45 minutes, I would imagine, maybe an hour. But it took me three hours because I had my little boy, I was diving in the water, we were playing ball, and then I'd ah, get I out, I'd do mean. 50. Yeah, yeah, nice. You know what I mean? So, yes, there's more intent. If I did a thousand press ups in an hour rather than three, the work output would be higher and the intensity would be higher. But things like other, other muscle building aspects, things like time under tension, are the same, whether it takes me three hours. So I've still done a thousand press ups. So the time under tension is the same as whether I, it took me under, you know, three hours or an hour. So yeah, yeah, intensity isn't yeah. high because it took me three hours, but the time under tension is still there. I've still done a thousand press ups. It's still a lot, you know, and yeah, I you've, you've it done in it in a more months, enjoyable way playing, though. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we were playing around the pool mm. and, you know, I'd, I'd jump out, I'd do 50. I burnt my hands, actually, because the pavement was so hot because it yeah. was like 38 degrees. Uh, and I didn't realise it because I was getting out of the pool mm. and my hands were wet and I was, like, jumping onto the the pavement and just doing press-ups and then jumping back in. Nice. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people work from home now, you know, and... They, you should you should obviously get a screen break every hour like five to ten minutes like just do for like 50 hindu squats you know if, yeah, you, if you did that advice. and on your typical eight hour day you've done 400 hindu squats you know so on those days you can't get mm. to the gym i think people should we're so conditioned that we need an hour to get to train you don't do something around you know if you're not going to get to the gym day. day do something put it into your day you know, I, I think so many yeah. people work from home yeah, now. Yeah. They can do it, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah I, I just think I want to do break think that, that conditioning. Um, do you think that, like, that's one of the reasons how you've managed to stay in, like, such remarkable shape at the age you're at now, just where you've just made your exercise fit into your day and it's just, like, not, it's obviously not a chore for you at all? Yeah, I mean, quite often, like, with, with Charlie, my little boy, he's been very good. He's just watching TV at the moment. I've fed him, so he's happy. Um, <laughs> but if I'm really busy, what I'll do, if, if I'm going to do 200 pull-ups, what I'll do is I'll just set a timer for five minutes and I'll try and always do 50 in those five minutes. I'll do that four times, like, throughout the day. It might be two hours between, nice. or even more, between the 50s. But I still, by the end of the day, I've still done 200 pull-ups, you know, but I've made it fit. And yes, it's like, mm. there's a difference between something that's useful to do and good for you to do and optimal. Yes, that's not optimal. As, you know, for, for an athlete, that isn't the optimal way of training, but it is, a, it is a way of getting some training in. And I would always say there's better to do something like that than nothing at all. I've still done, I've still done 200 pull-ups at the end of the day, 
just in, yeah. in four sets of 50 and, and 20 minutes work, you know. Um, so I, you know, I, I think people need to think a bit more widely when they say they haven't got time. And I appreciate how busy yeah. people are, but I'm a single single parent, you know. Um, yes, mm. I'm retired, so yeah, I've got time. But you know, I, I think people, if people were slightly more creative, they could get that work in. It comes down to it. Always comes down to priorities as well, doesn't it? Like people like to think they don't have the time, but it's often they just don't prioritise their health and fitness. Whereas mm -hmm. for you, it's clear that that's probably one of your biggest values, and it probably always will be. Like obviously. You know, Charlie's obviously another huge part of your life, but your your body, your yeah. mental and physical health is probably at the forefront of your day. So, you you know, you make the time. And I think if people had that mentality, they would find the time to exercise and stuff, whereas I think people don't. Well, people say to me now, well, it's easy for you, you're retired. But I was in the forces for over 30 years. The last 21, I was working shifts. You know... I'll be working nights and, and like finishing at five and on lates on a weekend, we finish at five in the morning. You know, I was working long hours, you know, with quite often without set meal times in the place because things were happening. Sometimes you didn't eat at all for 10 hours. You know, so I had no real control over what I was eating, certainly when I was at work. My sleep was heavily mm. compromised. I did that for 21 years and I was still in good shape. You know, yeah. so people say to me, it's easy because you're retired. Well, yeah, it is. It is easy because I get to sleep at the same time every night. I get to eat whenever I wish to eat. But I, did, nice. I was in a different job for 21 years where I couldn't do any of that, you know, and I still made it yeah. work. So yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, if it's a priority, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. I think that's the... Exactly. That's the yeah, you fit the nail on the head there. Talk to me about um, nutrition then. Obviously that, you know, we've covered training. What's like, what's, what's kept you in such good shape when it comes to nutrition? Because you said before we got, went live yeah. that, you know, you don't count calories and stuff. What's some of the advice you'd give to people when it comes yeah. to that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never, I've never ever counted calories. I mean, I've only competed one year in bodybuilding. That was 1996, so obviously a long time ago. But I did well. I came second in Great Britain in the Association of Natural Bodybuilders. Wow. It was drug tested. Um, and I won the Wales. The Wales was a qualifier for the Great Britain. But that was the only year I competed, 1996. I didn't count any calories in. Um, I've never counted a calorie since, and I will never, ever count a calorie as long as I live. I, I appreciate the, the use, use of it. But I think I've just, mm. I know my body so well, where I've been training so long, that I know exactly how certain foods affect my body. Um, mm. I pretty much eat what I want, you know, and I think... The the, yeah. the the sort of volume of and the frequency of the training gives me a lot of leeway. I'm also fairly genetically blessed in the fact that I've, as a kid I was very lean. I've always been lean. You know, you would say I was a hard gainer actually, yeah. and it, it, it's, it's probably borne out because you know I'm not. And I've, I've been training forty odd years, you know, and this is as big as I've got. You know, there's people twice my size, um, so I probably yeah. am a hard gainer and naturally leaner. Um, mm. But my, my nutrition is very yeah. much instinctive. But I will have certain givens. I will have 10 eggs every day. The first thing that goes, people will hate this, but the first thing that goes in my mouth in the morning when I wake up with a coffee is a dairy milk. 
has been for years. Nice. Only the little day. <laughs> yeah. But if, yeah, yeah. What I found was, and there's actually, there's actually science backing this up now, that if you have those sort of treats first thing in the morning, you, you, you won't, it stops you having them later on, where you might have more. So I have a little nice. dairy milk. It's a big you know? which I buy for Charlie. Yeah. I buy them for Charlie, but obviously I eat them as well. And yeah, they're only little. They're like that big. But that's the first thing that goes in my mouth with the coffee. And then I will have six eggs. Uh, sorry, five eggs uh, poached, um, boiled. Sorry, and then um, yeah, probably some some sourdough or something like that, or some oats if I'm if if I'm training. And then later on, it's after it, training, yeah. I don't generally have carbs. I d after training, I generally don't eat for a couple of hours, which I know goes against the magic half-hour window that the supplement companies <laughs> The anabolic window. <laughs> the anabolic window, yeah, yeah, where you must have their product yeah. in half an hour, otherwise you'll be skinny. Um, yeah. But actually, the science suggests more that if you eat immediately after that hard physical exercise, it blunts your natural hormonal response of, of growth hormone and testosterone slightly so we're not receptive to actual like nutrients and stuff which people sometimes forget so you're actually better no. to wait an hour or no. two to have your meal which yeah. is people aren't aren't told to do yeah. that are they like, I, I, for, as soon as the gym's over it's protein shake <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i've naturally done that for years and then the science is now kind of like it's now borne that out to be true but i've been doing it for years um, and then my next meal will probably be like another another five eggs, probably no carbs at all. And then I have a normal, I only eat three times a day. And I've never eaten six times a day, for instance. And um, then I'll just have probably steak mm. and something at, at night. Um, that's kind of it. Yeah. I don't Basic really have protein shakes. Cause yeah. I, I'm lucky that the fact that because I am retired and I'm, I'm, I'm based at home most of the time, then I can I can cook and eat when I, yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with protein shakes, mm. especially, and I used to use them a lot when I was in the police because I wouldn't necessarily eat. So you want to keep that protein, yes. you know, reasonably it's high. So I, I would utilize them then, but I don't need to use mm. them then now because I can use, I can eat food, you know, because I have that time. You've got the time to cook food. That, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah eat off a plate rather than um, Tupperware. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like very, basic, very basic. You know, we, yeah. we spoke before we started the podcast about, you know, I, I like going out and having a, a few beers and I like to eat out and I eat whatever I want when I go out, whatever I want, whatever mm. I desire, I will eat. I will, will drink whatever I want to drink. Mm. And, you know, the other night, I think I had like seven pints and the only thing I ate after midday was a load of cheesy chips. Not ideal, mm. but, you know, I enjoyed my night out. <laughs> Balanced. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and I, I am an ex-Marine after all, so I still enjoy my nights out. But yeah. if I know I'm going to have a blowout, a bit of a blowout, like it's my birthday on the weekend, probably going to have, you know, a bit of a blowout. So I will just eat less in the morning like less carbs, I would probably just have eggs on their own, no carbs, because I know I'm going to have a lot of carbs mm. probably later on. I will still keep my protein mm. high and I will keep my my good fats high by eating eggs, uh, whole eggs. I never eat egg nice. eggs, yeah. whole eggs. Um, but I just won't mm. have any carbs with it because I know I'm going to have a carb overload later. And then the next day, 
again, I will just reduce my carbs probably. It's, but it's not really something I think about. I just do. So I've been doing it for years. And I instinctively mm. know that mm. if I'm going to have an overdose of carbs later on, then I will just reduce it now and I'll reduce it tomorrow. And then for the... If yeah, it's, it's death, basic stuff. Because I always look at everything over a week. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Everything That's over way. Yeah, and I think if you look at everything over a week, then it gives you more balance if you look at it over seven days and if you look at it on a daily basis. So like, I know over the seven days, if I manage my carbs, even if I do have a bit of a blowout over that week, then my week is the same as if it was a, a good week with no blowout. You know, my yeah. actual carb intake yeah. would probably be the same. I've managed it over the week. Mm. Yeah, no. I think people look too narrow. I think, I yeah. think you should average your. You are looking at calories. I think you ought to be looking over a week. You know, because sometimes with mm. I used to fast for twenty four hours every, once a week, every week. Uh, and I, if I want to get lean, like if I want to get leaner than I am, then that's what I will do. And and the reason for that is, like most of the time, I'm probably calorie neutral. Like my weight doesn't go up, it doesn't mm. go down. I'm pretty much eighty eight kilos all the time. So, which probably means I'm pretty mm. much calorie neutral. I'm not in a deficit, you know, and and I'm not in a what's the opposite? You're to a deficit? maintenance, yeah. deficit or surplus. Um, you seem like you stick with maintenance. I'm not in a surplus. Yeah, yeah, I'm not in a surplus, yeah. and I'm not in a deficit. I'm at maintenance level. So if I want to get leaner, yeah, I, I just I just drop a seventh. I look at it over the week. I do one twenty-four hour fast. You know. If you look at it over the week, I've just dropped a seventh of my calories below maintenance, and I will lose all. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I will lose probably yeah, it's fat rather than anything else. Yeah. So I don't need a PhD. You know, I don't, I don't need a PhD mm. in this to um, come to these conclusions. Yeah. It's fairly simple maths. I, yeah. I think you know. I've always Maybe. said there's no like nobody will buy a training program off me. I wouldn't buy a training program off me. Because it'd be like Monday squat a lot, <laughs> do a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Wednesday bench, do a hundred reps on the bench. You know, nobody's going to buy that. It's not sexy. It's boring. It's it doesn't mm. offer much variety. It doesn't look like I've made any effort in preparing it. So there's no money in. Mm. I couldn't I couldn't sell my training program to anybody. Um, which. Um, mm. And probably the same with my nutrition program because it's so basic. Um, this is why I don't sell yeah. like training or nutrition programs. But I, I wouldn't buy it off me. Cause it it's, works. It's, like, it's too basic. But yeah, it works. It though. works. But there's no, yeah. there's no. It's what people. I've always mean. said that there's no money in make, there's no money in making things like training harder, but simpler. Mm. There's more money to make things feel slightly easier, but more complicated. You know, and I see yeah. some of these training programs that people do. Like they're, they're talking about percentages, and you, you know, the average trainer, the average person that buys one of these programs, you know, quite often it's based around their one rep max. Like, unless you're in competition, even myself, who's a very mm. advanced trainer, I'd say, do I get close yeah. to my one rep max? Not often. I probably will, and to tomorrow because I want to pull two forty tomorrow, but. Mm. That is probably my one rep max, but it will be an all-out effort. To achieve that all-out effort has taken me years of of being able to do that. Um, for mm. for most of my clients, I, I look at their five rep max, not their one rep. I think you're you're far more likely 
to get an honest five rep max than you ever are to get an honest one rep max. Because I always say, if I can do yeah. one with something, I can do two with something. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think yeah. you ever get to that, unless you're in a powerlifting competition where you, you, you're surrounded by spotters and you can afford to take, because I often train on my own, don't I? You know, and I'm squatting out there with mm. 180 kilos on my own. Like, if that goes wrong, it goes really, really wrong. So am I ever going to push myself to absolute failure out there with a bar on my back? Probably not. So I think, um, mm. yeah, I, I go along the five rec max, I think is the more important um, measure yeah. and more honest. I don't think many people can get close to their true one rec max. I really don't. Especially yeah, in things no, like back squat, because it scares the hell out of people. It scares the head out of people. Yeah. Like, it, the one exercise that scares yeah. people is the back squat. Yeah, they're not going to come up yeah. to the top again when they're doing a back squat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, um, and you can understand it. It's the only Like, with a heavy deadlift, you just let go of it, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Mm, but with a yeah, back yeah. squat, yeah. especially here, I, I just squat with, I've just got squat stands out the back here. Nobody knows I'm out there. You know, I've got 160 plus kilos mm. on the bar, just squat stands, no safeties. I've got to be pretty sure when I bend my legs that I'm coming back up, you know, so I'm never yeah. going to go to like full failing out there, you know, so yeah. and I, I think most people who haven't got years and years of experience don't get close to their one rep max. You know, they might look at yeah. it, but they're not really, they're not, because you really have to generate so much force and have so much experience to generate that force to get close to a run rep max, I think. So five reps, I, agree. I think five or 10 reps is, is far more useful when it comes to establishing things like percentages. But, yeah, I agree with you. Here's a question for you, uh, Simon. What, what's your like why behind your training? Like what keeps you like, you know, in the zone with doing it all the time? Like, you know, what, what gets you out of bed to make sure you stay in shape? Is it a lot of it because you're a very proud father or is it just the way you've been engraved? No, I mean, I, di I didn't become a father until I was 44. So, um, you mm. know, and I've, I've always been this way. Um, I don't know, it just clicks for me, I think. I think, you know, and I know, and I'm probably going to touch on this question slightly. You know, you ask about a piece of training advice. Um, it's normally your last question. So I will mm. just jump to that quickly because I think yeah, it fits yeah. the question. Um, so my mindset, and I think this would really help other people, is I never say, am I going to train today? It's when am I going to train today? Uh, so it's a given, right? I'm going to train. Right, I'm a single dad. When can I fit it in? So it's never am I, it's when am I? That I just set the timer for 10 minutes and I do try and do 100 pull-ups in 10 minutes. That might be all I get but my arms and my mm. back will be blown from doing 100 pull-ups in mm. 10 minutes. If that's all I manage, that's all I manage, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really like important. Yeah. Do you think that's like the, one of the one of the reasons how you've managed to stay in shape? Because you just, there, there's just not a second option. Like you, you, your training is just like, well, it sounds to me like all your kind of eating habits as well are, are so like solidified in your lifestyle now. But do you think a lot of, a lot of your success is down to that, kind of conversation you have in your head of like, it's, it's not, am I, it's when am I going to do it? Like that mentality. Yeah, I, I think so. I, th I think, you know, 
always talk about motivation. People, like especially nowadays with social media, everybody, everybody goes on social media or YouTube before they go squat to find some motivation. You know, and I get that. You know, and I've done it myself, where I go and watch Tom Platt squat, for instance, and then I go squat myself. You know, but motivation is very fleeting; it doesn't last long. And, and one of the examples I give, like every year, I watch the London Marathon, and I'm watching the London Marathon, and you get, you know, and they interview people, and their stories are amazing, and they're doing it for, for like relatives that have got cancer or whatever, and you get you really buy into it, and you know. But after about two hours of watching the marathon, I've already put a pair of trainers in my Amazon basket. You know, and next year I'm going to sign up and I'm going to do the London Marathon. By the time it's finished, and, nice. you know, so I'm like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, but for a very short time now, I'm really motivated. I'm motivated enough to, like, start looking at training. And yeah, yeah. So that's motivation. You can gain motivation. I, and motivation is useful for... for probably kick-starting somebody to do something or yeah mm -hmm. so quite often you know we we know you have dealt with clients who've had a very unflattering photograph taken of them and they look at this photo they mm. look fat their belly's hanging over their t-shirt over their belt or whatever you know and, and that that is a motivator isn't it but i think a lot of people 100%. look for this very short-term motivation and Motivation doesn't last. Discipline is the only thing that lasts. And discipline, the definition of discipline is doing something that is good for you, but you don't necessarily want to do, but you're going to do it anyway. Right? You know it's going to benefit you. You might not want to. You might not feel like it, but you're going to do it anyway because that's discipline. That, that is the definition of discipline. Basically, doing something that's good for you that you might not want to do, yeah. but you're going to do it anyway. And, and that's it. How do you that, build discipline? Dis like, what's discipline the for that? Mm. I th I th you know, I've done, I've done like a video about mental strength, and I think mental strength is just about layering. So, like, as a baby, you're not born with mental strength. You're not born mentally strong as a baby. Mm. You haven't you haven't endured anything. You haven't overcome anything. So, the only way of building mental strength and mental resilience is overcoming things that are difficult. Now. You know, sometimes life will will send stuff to you that's difficult. You know, my brother's suicide, you know, people close to me dying. Um, me having, I've had nine surgeries, you know, for various things. Accidents, you know, that have really messed me up. And, you know, my life is pretty good now. So, like, I have to generate, I have to generate. Like, how, dealing with something difficult 10 years ago doesn't cut it. It's a weekly practice. It's something you have to keep doing. Mm. So you'll have seen, I do these physical, um, I set myself physical challenges. You know, like, I think it was July. Yeah, it's July. You know, I did a, a thousand squats with 110 kilos over the month, you know, and it was hot yeah. as hell, if you remember, in July. And I was outside squatting in the heat. In the heat. Yeah. And I would make and I would make that even more difficult yeah. by not having a drink. You know, I wouldn't have a drink whilst... So that, that was hard enough, right? So it's like 32 degrees out in my garden. It's a complete sun trap. I'm, I'm, I'm doing 125 reps with 110 kilos. The bar's taking the skin off my back because the, the friction, the sweat, you know. So I've got a big hole in my back. I'm squatting anyway. Mm. And I thought, you know, mm. how can I make that on, a, on the hottest day of the year? Yeah. But 
Yeah, exercise is controllable. So, with you know, exercise is controllable. We can control how difficult it is. We can control the duration. Whereas, obviously, life events we can't control, and life life events will, by their very nature, give you mental strength. But we can also increase our mental strength by setting ourselves physical challenges that we overcome. You know, and and that's what I do. Yeah. I, and you know, I don't compete anymore in any sport because I'm too competitive. I'm a nightmare, and mm. I I choose not to compete. I think if I enter the bodybuilding contest, I'd do really well in the over 50s. I think I'll probably win yeah, that. But I am I am the worst mm. person when it comes to um, being competitive, and my relationship with my son and whatever friends and everything else would, would, would suffer if I competed so I don't so I compete with myself and I set mm. myself these physical challenges like last year I did 3,000 pull-ups in a month January this year I did 3,000 dips in a, in the month so it's just like little things and I, I don't change my training I just add it on so like mm. you know when I, I just do like 100 dips a day you know or whatever it was you know um mm. So I, I just do these things and like the squats and uh, stuff like that. I just do little physical challenges that test me, that are difficult, you know. Yeah. And this year I'm turning 53 on Sunday. Um, and I, I said to you earlier, I think before we were recording, that I still work in pounds because because of my age. Nice. Yeah. So I want to deadlift 530 pounds, which is 240 kilos. So that's my little goal. That keeps me, that's my motivator, if you like, you know? Yeah. So I'm working towards that goal of doing, you know, last week I did 230 kilos, which was a lifetime PB on a straight bar. I've done 272.5 on a hex bar, which is 600 pounds, mm. but I've never done that on a straight bar. The most I've ever done on a straight bar is yeah. 227.5 for six. So, which is probably my best ever set. And that, that was this time last year. It was, it was the week after my 52nd birthday. So I'm still improving. I'm still getting better. Right? Mm. And, and tomorrow or Friday, I want to do 240, 240 kilos, because it's 530 pounds and I'll be 53 on the weekend. So it's, these things are arbitrary. They nice. mean nothing, not a single you. thing to anybody mm. but me, right? I know people zone out when they see my videos. I don't blame them, but they're important to me, you know, mm. and that's what keeps me going, setting these, these goals. Like next year, I'll be 54, yeah, so I'm going to have to do 540 You know, and <laughs> the other thing I do, like, yeah, so the older I get, the harder it gets, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> in many which ways. Is, which is good in a way, because means I've got to keep training hard. But like every year yeah. of my 50s, what I've said I'm gonna do, and I've already done it several times this year, is um, deadlift over 500 pounds, squat over 400 pounds, and bench over 300 pounds. And mm. what I said to myself was every year of my 50s, I will do that twice during the year. So what, at the beginning of the year, I'll work towards that, try and do it February, March, do all, the, all three lifts. So deadlift 500 plus, squat 500 plus, bench 300 plus, and then do it again halfway, th you know, another six months down the line. So twice in the year, I hit those big numbers. And it, it's not actually hitting those big numbers. It's the important bit. The important bit is the mm. two or three months working up to those big numbers.
you know, getting that honest yeah. work in, increasing, you know, that progressive overload until you hit the big numbers. The actual big numbers themselves don't yeah. really mean much, but it's that work, it's the work up to up those to big it. numbers that's the important bit. So every year in my yeah. 50s, I'm going to do a 500 plus deadlift, 400 plus squat, 300 plus bench. And hopefully for at least sets of five, you know, not, so I'm not talking even singles here. We're talking, you know, doing reps with those weights. That's you know, impressive. And for my body weight, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Impressive. Yeah, Very good. body weight, that's pretty yeah. good at my age. But I think those, just having those things, like, they're not negotiable. Every year I'm going to do that, you know. Mm. And I, I, I tell you, when I was 19, I'll t- I tell you why I am the way I am. When I was 19, and I had no right to say this at all at that point, because I knew nothing at 19, but there was an old Marine called Harry Neat, and I say old, he was 30, right? But when you're 19, a 30-year-old Marine who looks fucked is old, you know? And it was a cold day, and we were going for a run, and I had shorts on. He goes, oh, you ought to wear long trousers to, like, protect your knees so they, they stay warm and stuff. And he... Because he, he had, you know, he had bad knees, bad back and everything else. And um, I said to him, I said, every year, every decade, I'm going to get fitter and stronger. I had no right to say that at 19, but I said it to him anyway. Mm. And um, he goes, no, you won't. You'll be as fucked as me when you're my age. He's only 30, you know. Mm. And um, mm. every, every decade, I've kept to that. Every decade, I've kept to that. Yeah. You know, I, I had no right to say it at you... 19 because I knew nothing. <laughs> but yeah, that's been that's been my mindset that every year, every decade, and so far, every decade I've got fitter and stronger. Yes, I know at some 60? point it's going to end. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll yeah. be better at 60 than I am now. Yeah. <laughs> And like, I, I know That's it's going to end one day. Everyone. The way I, I, you know, people say to me, oh, you won't always be, you know, since I've been 30, since I was 30 years old, people have said to me, like partners and stuff, have said to me, you won't be able to do this forever. I'm like, well, I seem to be, you know, and the way I look at it is that, yes, one day it's going to end, right? But mm. it's not today. And it's only today that can. Yeah. Today is the only day yeah, that's yeah. important to me. Right, it's going to end one yeah, day, but it's not today. So mm. that's that's where I am with that. That, that age-related yeah. decline, I don't accept it. Yeah, not yet. Anyway, people get that in their heads. Yeah, so, people really do get in their heads, don't they? Like that's the age-old excuse, well, isn't I it? Like, see it. I, I saw it. I think it was on there. And... Oh, it, it annoys the shit out of me. Mm. I, I, I think it was Men's Health, right? Or one of those, you know, glossy. Mm magazines with the blokes with the abs on and um which are absolute garbage by the way but you know they are what they are <laughs> and um the headline because in america they can't be classed as magazines because they don't give enough information they're classed as catalogs because of all the adverts right and that's effectively what mm. they are aren't they they're catalogs with the odd article but anyway the headline yeah was can you build muscle over 30? I'm like, you absolute wankers. Like, really? That's the headline. <laughs> can you build muscle over 30? Talk about a limiting belief. 
Like, why yeah. would you ever give that limiting belief to your readers that you might not be able to build muscle over thirty? Like, it's even a question. Like, mm. fuck off. I, I had, I had, oh, I had someone. Not, I actually remember that we had a phone call, and um, he, he said to me, I, "I don't even think he was around thirty, maybe thirty-three or thirty-four." And he basically just said, "Look, I think I'm past it." And I was like, I, "You know, obviously, I said to him, you're <laughs> not. You're going to get great results.'" And I think his actual catalyst reason for not signing up was that he didn't believe in himself to get to where he wanted to be at, at like thirty-four or something. I was like, Pfft. "Yeah, that, that's a belief that needs to go." Yeah. That needs to go. I've seen some people that have started mm. training really late have made some incredible um, gains, you know, in their body composition as well as their strength. Like there's no, you know, like Mark Bell says, you know, Mark Bell, he, um, he mm. says strength is never a weakness, weakness is never a strength. Like, I, I honestly mm. think I had this conversation with Lisa, my massage, um, sports massage lady today. Like she wants mm. to get, do more weights, you know, and she's just turned 40 and I like, that's ideal. Like as you get older, you should be aiming to get stronger. I think cardio yeah. is, has its place, but you need to be, your main emphasis, I think when you're over 40 should be maintaining or gaining muscle and getting stronger. Oh, 100%. Cause that's the best, that's the best anti-aging so thing. The best yeah. anti-aging thing you can do is is to be strong and muscular, like it is. You know, yeah. I don't think I look. Mm. You know, I may be blowing my own trumpet here, but I don't think I get told I'm not, like when I say people I'm like in my fifties, they're like, really? You know, and I, I, I think that's yeah, down yeah, to how you how you carry yourself. You know, your muscle mm. mass and all that. Because sarcopenia is mm. obviously that age-related muscle wastage, and I think between the ages of fifty and seventy if you don't train, you can lose like 25% of your muscle mass between those ages. Now you imagine losing quarter of your muscle mass and probably gaining say 10% body fat. I mean, you're gonna look like a marshmallow. You're gonna look yeah. awful. You're gonna yeah. feel awful. You're gonna perform badly. Like everything about your life will be far harder than it needs to be. Whereas like, you've got to train. I saw, I saw this video. Yeah. And it was an old guy, he was in his 70s. It's, it's an old guy in his 70s. He's like mid 70s, I think, in this gym in America doing pull ups, doing like loads and loads of pull ups. He's about 75 years old and he was Jack still, you know. And they said to him, Why, why are you doing what you're doing? And he said, Well, said, from the moment you're born, your body thinks it's dying. And he said, What I do every day is trick it so that it thinks it's not. And I think that's really yeah. cool. Like, You've got to. That is cool. You have to move. Your body is designed to move. You've got to move, mm. like, and you've got yeah, to yeah. get strong. Like being strong, there's no, there's no downside to being stronger. There's none, not one. No. You know, and I just think people should over forty. They should be looking to get stronger. That should be their main thing in their training. Maintain movement and what, get stronger. That that should be the. What's, what would be your like advice to? to someone kind of who is around 40 or just over 40, who's, you know, trying to get into the gym and get stronger, would it just be to, you know, to, to get started or to, to try and find some help? Say we've got a bit of a newbie. Yeah, I, I would, you know, we, we both know there's good trainers and bad trainers. I yeah. think, you know, seek out the best advice you can get. You know, there, there's a difference between coaches and, and, and PTs, I think, you know, and I don't want to disparage anybody, but you know, some people are just rep counters, aren't they? And they're, 
they put people on treadmills <laughs> and you're like, fucking hell, like, come on. Yeah, like, yeah. These that's a rabbit hole to go down, yeah. That can actually <laughs> it, it is, and it will yeah, upset yeah. people, so I won't go down it. But you, we all know, don't we, that you, you should bring value to yeah. your clients and you should explain to them why you're doing things and, and stuff like that. So you should coach them, not just train them. Um, yeah. So I would yeah, say yeah, get the best advice you can. Stay basic. Stay basic. I would start with body weight. I'm a big fan of body weight exercises. Press ups, like seriously underrated. You know, body weight squats, Hindu squats, lunges, uh, pull ups if they can do them. If not, pull downs. You know that sort of thing. Mm. Be basic, but just work. Do some volume. Get a lot of reps in as, as many reps as you can in, in a certain amount of time. Try and do the same number of reps. I always say, like, try and do the same number of reps with more weight or more reps with the same weight. So try and improve something every week. Progressive um, overload. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has to just, be. Yeah, just eat well. And, um, you know, it's not hard. It really isn't that. It's for, <laughs> I always say all the time, like, training's very, very simple. It is. It's, made, it's been made to look hard. But it's very, very simple. Mm. Get good advice. Um, go to somebody like you or to me and we'll point them in the mm. right direction. We'll get them started. Um, but mm. the important thing is to do something. Like, you know, if they decided they're going to do something good for them and we have to mm. encourage that, you know, I hate people taking the piss out of people in the gym. Like if somebody's in the gym, yeah. even if they're very overweight or they don't really know what they're doing, then we should support them. We should We be. need people Yeah, training. I hate like, that mentality. That I don't care have. Yeah, I don't yeah. care what stage they're at in their training. You know, anybody that knows me, you know, know that I will help anybody in the gym. You know, I will, I spend mm. hours with people sometimes, never charge or anything like that. Just yeah. literally, if yeah, I see yeah. them doing something, you know, and I, and, you know, I help them. And I think it's really important. You've got to, I've had a lot of really good people in my life, especially in the Marines, that helped me early on with my training. And, um, I think I pay that forward now by doing the same for other people. And I think yeah. it's really important that, you know, us, the people like us that know what we're doing should be helping those that don't, you know? And yeah, yeah, I, I agree. don't like that ethos I in agree. the gym where it's, yeah, I don't, don't like that. Okay. Well, like I was training today and, um, literally like I had my headphones on, was in the middle of a mm -hmm. session and like some, some lads literally like, who's the first time in the gym, um, you just like almost like nudged me a little bit and, and just asked me like mate I'm, I'm totally new here i've never been in the gym before like can you give me a bit of help and i was just like mm. of course mate and it was like actually respecting him because i was like i must have taken some balls for some guy who was like 18 years old to walk in the gym for the yeah, first yeah. time and yeah, yeah. not to blow up my own trumpet but one of the one of the biggest guys in the gym as well it's like to, to go and talk to me and ask yeah. me i was like this this guy's you know he's got some balls so i spent about 10 minutes showing him and then just showed him, like, got one of the fitness instructors to take him for a full session. And I think they're like, I just think that's so important, isn't it? Like mm. helping people and showing them and, and making them feel like they belong in the gym, not not judging people and stuff like that. Yeah, he'll, he'll come back now, he'll come back. Whereas if, if you were offhand with him, he might not come back, do you know what I mean? And we want these mm. people in the gym. It's not because we want yeah. to sign them up as clients. We just want as many people being as healthy and getting stronger. We're all there for the same reason. When we go to the gym, we're all trying to improve something about ourselves. It may be different. Exactly. But we're all there for the same reason. You know, it's either to make us feel better mentally or we're trying to improve something about ourselves we don't like. 
We're all there for that reason, whether you're my standard, your standard, or a beginner. Like, it doesn't matter. We're all there. And there's no need to be an arsehole. And I see people being arseholes sometimes, and I don't like that. I've always, I haven't got the most approachable face, but people do approach me. And I'm, obviously, people know who I am, and, you know, I'm quite well known around Portsmouth and the gyms around Mm. Portsmouth. They know I'm a coach. So I expect people to come up to me and ask. You know, I don't get butthurt about it. Maybe if I've got my mm. hand on the bar and I'm about to do a heavy deadlift, I'd be like, can you just give me five? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, sometimes yeah. people, don't, people don't always, I've got the bar on my back and I'm squatting. I'm like, just let me finish, you know. You know, you might mm. have to educate people not to speak to somebody mid-set. But, you know, yeah. you only have to tell them once and they won't do it again. So, you don't have to be an mm. arsehole about it. Just say, give me five, you know, and I'll come, I'll come talk to you. Like, I expect yeah. people to come up to me and ask me questions. I'm a coach. Um, why wouldn't I? Yeah, of course, so, of course. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Simon, I think this has been a, such, such a good episode. We could probably carry on for, for days, mate. And we've got so I much more so. we could talk about, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one question I will end this on kind of similar to how I would, but what would be like your, your, your big, I know you've already touched on this in regards to training, but like, what would just be your biggest yeah. overall piece of advice that you would give to someone if it could just be one thing narrowed down literally that would get someone you know maybe starting their journey or just give them you know some sort of hope with uh with their current routine i always you know we've got to lower the barrier of entry right we've got we've got to lower the barrier of entry you've got to make it easy for people to get into stuff you know so you know with most people i don't want them if they want to lose weight i don't want them running i want them walking you know, mm. so like the low barrier of entry. So like walk, like walking's underrated, walk. Oh, you know, God, when you've yeah. had your meal, when, you, when you've had your meal, because you, we want to control your blood sugar, your insulin response and everything else, your insulin sensitivity. So like every time you have a meal, go do a 10 minute walk, you know, because that will sort of, that will help towards your insulin sensitivity and stuff like that. So like the low hanging fruit, do the stuff that's easy. like. It doesn't have, you don't have to jump into some crazy routine. Just do something different to what you're doing at the moment. And that might be doing a 10 minute walk after, after your two biggest meals of the day. Um, yeah. Start doing press ups, yeah. you know, and just doing something. And then, you know, if you are interested, seek out, there's lots of good YouTube stuff. There's a lot of bad YouTube stuff. There's a lot of good YouTube stuff. I think that's the trouble when you when you are starting that journey. It's hard to decipher the good advice from the bad advice. Yeah, um, I agree. But you know, like in your circle, in your circle of friends, you will know somebody that trains. You know, and is is probably quite good. You know, they're either a good runner or they're good at sport or they do a lot of weights, and they you can see they do a lot of weights because they've built a reasonable physique. Go seek out people. Go and ask. You know, and, but yeah, like we've got to lower the barrier of entry. You don't have to go join a gym straight away. Start walking. Like mm. if you're overweight or you're just not very fit or you're not very confident, just get out walking. And and then, mm. then say you're on, you're, say you live in Southsea, go walk the steps of Southsea Castle to get your cardio up a little yeah. bit more resistance. Put, put, a, yeah, yeah. put some books in a rucksack, just add a bit more resistance. Do the same route, mm. but just try and do it slightly quicker. So it's that low, yeah. that very low barrier of entry to get yourself started and then start thinking about, right, well, I need to get stronger. 
Yeah, and then you can start yeah. looking at doing press-ups and squats and lunges and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, yeah. I think, like, like, you know, you're like, you're far more educated than me, but like, when you had to write an essay or something for your PhD or whatever, your your degrees. Mm. Agree. The hardest yeah. thing is that first sentence. Like, you're sat around thinking, yeah. oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Procrastination. Yeah. I've got to do this. Got to... Procrastination. Yeah. But once you start, the hardest yeah. thing is that first line, isn't it? And once you start, you'll carry on. Yeah? Yeah. And it's the same with training or, or getting fit. Just literally, if, you're, if you watch this and you want to start your journey, watch to the end because it's a good one, and then go out for a walk. And do right, it. Go Hopefully people will always go out walking on this as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah, we'll listen to it walking even better. So mm. just start. Start. Don't think, yeah. don't overthink it. Don't think I'll start when this. All your ducks are not always going to be in a row, right? A lot of people wait. And this is procrastination, time. isn't it? People wait until all their ducks are in a row, the, the perfect time. Like the mm. perfect time to have a child. There is no perfect time to have a child because it will turn your world upside down no matter when it arrives, right? You can't wait yeah. for that perfect time. It's not gonna, it's not there. It's a myth. The perfect time to start anything is a myth. The best time to start mm. something is now. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Right. That. It doesn't have to be big. Just do something. Whatever you can do, Anything. do it. It doesn't have to be massive. You don't have to run a marathon. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Low, low, I'm all about the low barrier of entry. The easiest way to start. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's a great piece of advice. And then people... in 45 years, you can... In... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> people start now. Hopefully, uh, they'll have a chance of, of, of looking like yourself. I think anyone would be uh, delighted to look like yourself in their 50s. So <laughs> you're doing a good job. Um, setting a good, a good <laughs> example to your boy as well. Um, anyway, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And like I say, we could definitely carry on for uh, for a little bit longer. But I think we'll have to give the listeners a little bit of a rest now. So where um, where can people find you? Like, where are you, where are you hanging out at the moment if people want to find out a bit more about yourself? Um, mainly Instagram, old school strength coach, old school uh, underscore between the words. Uh, that's it, really. Um, yeah. I'd just like to say, Chris, I've watched your journey, haven't I? I've watched your journey for the yeah, last five yeah. years. And I've seen you grow so much, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure to watch. You know, oh, mate, I appreciate I've just seen that. you I'm just not... go from strength. Well, I've seen it. I've seen it. You know, I met, I met you first when you were an employed trainer at... Uh, Fitness fair, um, uh, David, David Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. I've just seen you grow. I've seen you grow. Like it's been amazing. It's been really good to watch. You're somebody people t need yeah. to listen to in the industry. So, um, oh man, uh, good for you. That's really nice. Thank you very much. Well, mate, it's been honestly, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Because, like I said, I, when I started this podcast, I was obviously thinking about guests and stuff who I, who I wanted to get on and you came to mind straight away and then obviously after i think it was kev's podcast you dropped me a message i thought well there it is that that's yeah. fate so yeah so good to have you on and um and thanks for uh yeah for giving me your time and i'm sure people will take so much value from this and again i appreciate the the kind of depth that you've shared and stuff of you know some quite personal things and i think again like people will probably will take huge value from that so um yeah really do appreciate it and guys if you have enjoyed this episode please do um tag myself um tag simon on instagram put it on your story 
Um, and if you uh, are enjoying the podcast, drop me a five-star review and uh, subscribe for future episodes. But Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, guys, we'll catch you in the next episode. I appreciate it.